Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, Saving Grace Church. Hopefully you were able to tune in for worship. If you weren't, um, next Sunday at 10 a.m. you can tune in for worship as well. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe, uh, one of the pastors here, and we are excited uh, to be gathering. Even though we can't gather in the church building, uh, we're looking forward to gathering online. Just have a few announcements for uh, Saving Grace Church and friends. These announcements are really for all of you that you can tune in this week to a number of the things that we have going on online. So, uh, beginning next Saturday morning at 9 a.m., we have a women's Bible study. That is for any lady who wants to, to sign up, and you can do that on our website. You can go to the service and meetings page and just click the button, and you'll be able to sign up. Also, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., we have Sunday school before church, and so you can go to the same site and sign up for that. As well as for our youth ministry, we will be meeting every um, first and third Saturday of the month through Zoom online, and that will be at 6 p.m. And so teenagers, you can bring your friends. That will be for everyone as well. So though we're in strange times, we are trying to continue to have church in every way we can think of. In fact, this Tuesday, we're going to have church from my house. So we're going to do a Short devotional and then question and answer so you can tune on from our YouTube page at SGCIPA on YouTube. And that will be at 7 p.m. both Tuesday and Thursday. Um, each evening we will have at least one of the other pastors with me in my living room. And we're going to talk for a bit and then answer any questions you might have. And the way we're setting this up is we'll give you a number to text. That way it will be private and then we will have a discussion based on your questions, so check that out as well. One more announcement, this is for kids. Um, M- Melissa McCracken, our children's ministry director, has created a resource page on our website that will follow the Sunday messages and give you some extra resources as well. So please go to our website, SGC Indiana PA, and you can check that out as well. Though we're not meeting in person, we still had quite a few announcements. So if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4, and today's sermon is part of a new series that we're doing entitled Finding Peace in Anxious Times. Finding Peace in Anxious Times, and today's sermon is entitled Faith in the Whirlwind. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you draw near to us when we draw near to you. Jesus, thank you that you lived and died for us and rose from the grave. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell in each of us who have called on the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, though we are separated bodily right now, that you would encourage each of us. You would knit us together as your people. And for anyone watching who doesn't yet know you, we ask that their eyes would be open wide to see you for the first time. And we will give you all the praise and glory. And we ask this in your name. Amen. 
Well, have you ever noticed when our world, my world, or your world, or collectively our world gets flipped upside down, how disorienting life can be? It can be almost impossible to get our bearings when something happens in our world, in our own lives, in our family, in our nation, as is happening right now, or throughout the world, something happens and it just disorients us to life as we know it. All of us, to some degree, right now, may feel like that. You may feel like your world is just getting flipped all around. It can feel like when you're you're in the ocean and you're swimming and a, a wave comes in you didn't expect and you just start tossing and you're trying to f- make sense of what's up and what's down and you're just getting tossed around. Well, it's natural when those kind of events happen, when what we're currently going through happens, it's natural and normal to be fearful, to be anxious, to feel like you're on a roller coaster of emotions. It's normal to ask questions like, Lord, where did you go? Do you not care about us? I thought you loved us. See, when these fears and temptations come, they they can come in like a storm cloud or a series of storm clouds, and they can just keep coming and coming and coming. But for those who have a personal relationship with the living God through faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will give us power to not give in to those fears, to not give in to those anxious thoughts, to not be tossed all around by worst case scenarios in our minds. And this morning, we are going to look at a real account that happened with Jesus and his disciples. And we're going to see that they, like us, are going to go through a mix of emotions and feelings and really have a a free fall of disorientation because of the very thing that Jesus has led them into. And we're going to do so by, by following them through a journey in the middle of the night in a boat. So if you have a Bible, look at Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 35 through 41. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read the account, and it'll be like a a movie trailer. So we're going to kind of do the overview, we're going to get the big idea, and then we're going to walk slowly through it. It'll be like watching a movie. So for any kids that are watching right now, what I need you to do is participate. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a storm scene. So when we get to the wind and to the waves and we get to the the water crashing on the boat, I want you in your living room to make as many storm noises as you can make. Make the sound of the wind and the rain and the thunder and even the screams of the disciples as they are afraid. So here's the movie trailer. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. 
and other boats were with him. All right, kids, get ready. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose. So there was wind, and there was howling, and there was thunder, and there was most likely lightning. A great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking in the boats, so that the boats were already filling up with water. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep in the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the sea obeys him? So that's the trailer. That's the movie trailer. We're going to walk through it now. And as we walk through this account, I want you to imagine what it would have been like to be one of the disciples. See, at this point in the book of Mark, which is really an account of Jesus' life and teaching and miracles, Jesus' ministry has been growing. He has been preaching and healing people and, and really doing incredible miracles in the lives of all sorts of people. And so at this point in the book of Mark, crowds of about 10,000 people have been gathering to hear Jesus and to listen to him and to watch him do miracles. And so most likely when Jesus said to his disciples, let's go in and get in a boat and go to the other side. Most likely the disciples thought we're going to have some R&R. We're going to go rest and relax. We've had a long week. We're tired. Maybe Jesus himself is tired. So we're going to have some mini vacation time with Jesus himself. Little did they know that what Jesus had in mind for them was more training, more preparation, more revealing to them who he truly was. And so their, their next 24 hours are going to be remarkably different than they could have ever imagined. And for the rest of their lives, they would remember this 24-hour period of time. So let's go back to the beginning, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. See, here's the thing that's hard to get our minds around, but Jesus is going to lead them right into a storm. He's going to lead them into a terrifying night, not to torment them or harm them in any way, but so that they could see more of who he truly was. Not only that, but on this journey, Jesus had a person in mind. So they're going to travel through the night, through a storm, 
they're eventually going to end up on the other side of the sea. And when they get there, they're going to encounter a desperate, lost, hopeless, and helpless man. And Jesus is going to restore his life. So you can read ahead tomorrow or later today and watch that encounter. After they free this man, they get back in the boat and return to where they came from. And so Jesus was on a mission, and he wanted to train his disciples. He wanted to teach them more and more about himself. So let's get back to the boat. Verse 36. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Okay, kids, get ready. We need some more wind and waves. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. See, Jesus is asleep in the boat. And this this word for wind can really be translated whirlwind or like hurricane force winds. This was a major storm. And just to give you a little geography, I know the entire country, basically all kids school age are being homeschooled right now to some degree. So here's some geography. And so if you're logging hours, this counts. So here's a little geography. The Sea of Galilee, it sits 700 feet below sea level. And just 30 miles to the north of the Sea of Galilee is Mount Hermon. It's 9,200 feet high. So you got Galilee way down here, 700 feet below sea level. You got a mountain way up here, 9,200 feet high above sea level. And what would happen, and what does happen, is the cold air from the mountain continually clashes with, with, with the warm air from the sea. And it creates these severe and powerful storms. And though the disciples, many of them were trained and seasoned fishermen, By their response, we can tell that they have never really encountered a storm with this severity of wind and rain and force. And so the disciples, they had real reason to be afraid. They had never seen a storm of this degree in the Sea of Galilee. And they thought that they were going to die. This wouldn't be really any different than traveling in a somewhat primitive boat in the middle of a hurricane. And so it's understandable why they would be so fearful and afraid. But the problem was they forgot who was with them in the boat. All of their attention was drawn to the force of the wind and to the amount of water that was coming in the boat. And they, for a moment, forgot that the Son of God was in the boat with them. But instead of calling on Jesus right away, they were doing what we might be doing. They were taking wind readings. They were measuring how much water was coming into the boat. And so you could imagine Peter or James or John shouting out, I think it's 100 miles per hour. I think it's 150 miles per hour now. Oh, look. There's six inches of water in the boat already. Oh, no. There's a foot of water in the boat. Oh, no. 
We are going to die. We are going down. And so their eyes, their attention, their feelings, their emotions were all fixed on the severity of the storm. Now think about that for a moment. We're not much different. Ask yourself this question right now. What are your eyes fixed on? What is your attention fixed on? What is your heart and mind finding rest in? Are you more fixed on charts and graphs and the spread of COVID-19? Are you more fixed on the amount of money that you may be losing in your retirement? Are you, are you, you fixed on what our government officials are bringing out, which seems every 12 hours or so, you, you fixed on the, the state of our economy at present time. See, none of these things are wrong to think about. I think about all those things. But we have to remember that just like the disciples, we can call on Jesus at any moment. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are God's son or daughter. And so you have absolute security in that relationship. And he will care for you in this life and the one to come. See, momentarily, the disciples lost sight of Jesus. Now look what happens next. They're about to wake him up. And when they wake him up, they wake him up charging him and accusing him. But here's what you need to know. Jesus is not worried, and he deeply cares for you. He deeply cares for us. Look at verse 38. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him. And said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So it's almost a humorous picture. They're in hurricane force winds and rain and thunder. And Jesus is sound asleep. Now, I think we learned a couple things there. One, we learned that Jesus, who was fully God, was also fully human. And through all the ministry and all the helping of people in large crowds day after day. His human body was exhausted. And so he was sound asleep. We also learn he's a good sleeper. He reminds me of my son Isaac. He can sleep anywhere at any time. And he couldn't be woken up easily either. Now we have never tested Isaac out in a hurricane, but I can imagine... He'd be able to sleep right through that as well. Well, finally, they shake Jesus. Get up, get up, get up. And they wake him up. And when they wake him up, they wake him up with a charge. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing, that we're going to drown, that we're going to die? Jesus, don't you care? Well, before we examine their accusation, I want you to notice something that Jesus didn't do right away. 
that I think is important for us to, to see. So he's sound asleep. They wake him up, and he's in the middle of hurricane-force winds. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't respond like we would respond. Imagine if you were sound asleep, and somebody woke you up, and you were in the middle of a hurricane. What would you do? You'd probably do what I would do. Oh, no! We're going to drown! Help! What what he didn't do is say, Peter, save me. James, save me. John, save me. You guys are fishermen. Save me. Help. He didn't do that at all. He didn't have a knee-jerk response of panic. I, like you probably, oftentimes have a knee-jerk response to panic, to the news. It's natural. But we don't want to stay there. We don't want to live there. And when that happens, we need to run to Jesus, who is perfectly in control, perfectly at peace, perfectly in faith, that all will be well. The other thing that strikes me in Jesus' response is he doesn't initially do anything with their charge. He doesn't get defensive. doesn't yell at them. He is patient with them. He has entered into their crisis and he is patient with them. Because he has every right to say, guys, you know me. You have been with me for a long time now. You know I love you. You know I left heaven to come to earth to rescue you and everyone who would trust in me. You know that, guys. But he doesn't. He's patient. But you might be having that question right now. Does Jesus love me? Does Jesus care right now for me? Many years ago, when I first trusted in Jesus, I listened to this song that was written by our very own Mark Altrogi, entitled, I Look to the Cross. And some of the lines in the song really have prepared me for years and years of following Jesus, particularly when things get challenging or things get dark. The line goes like this. How do I know you love me? I look around and see the sunshine, the rain, the wind, and the trees. In other words, I look around at God's creation and all the gifts the Lord has given me, given us to enjoy. But should these gracious tokens all fade from my sight? I won't doubt your love. For I fix my eyes, I look to the cross where I most clearly see your awesome love displayed for me. For even when I was dead in sin, you died for me. See, the point of the song is at times these gracious tokens get taken away from us. 
in many ways, the past few weeks, and maybe the weeks to come, the things that we often enjoy, that Mark referred to as gracious tokens, they, they may be taken away to some degree. But when they're taken away, when they fade from our sight, here's what you need to know. Do not doubt God's love for you. And the most clearly way we can see his love displayed is by fixing on what Jesus came to earth to do. See, when Jesus came to earth, he resisted sin and temptation in every way. And then he died on a cross. He died a criminal's death, even though he had committed no crime at all. He took punishment for our sins when he hung on the cross. He absorbed the wrath of God for us when he hung on the cross. And then he was buried in the grave. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. And so for anyone who turns from their sins and trusts in Jesus Christ, they can be saved, they can be rescued, they can be forgiven. And His love for you is fixed and secure. The Apostle Paul says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. The Apostle Paul says, I live by, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the Apostle Paul was so secure in God's love for him because of what Jesus had done for him. And the, the same should be true for every one of us who has called on Jesus. You do not have to doubt His love for you if you called on Him. You can say the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul says. Jesus who loved me, put your name there, who loved you and gave Himself for you. So no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in the next weeks and months in our country, if you have called on Jesus, He loves you dearly. And you can call on Him, you can go to Him at any time, 24 hours a day. And you, the moment you called on Him, you were given the gift of eternal life. Nothing can take that away from you. And so it is possible, not only possible, it is God's will that we are joyful in the good news of our salvation even as we walk through difficult things in this broken and fallen world. Listen to this. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 you're wondering how much God loves you. Verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, 
so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus, the unmerited, undeserved favor of Jesus Christ, who is God and King. You know the grace of Jesus, that though he was rich, he was in heaven, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, in perfect fellowship with one another with no sin, with no brokenness in the relationship whatsoever. With all at his disposal, he left all of that, all of it, to enter into this broken and fallen world. Became a baby who grew up to be a toddler and child and then a teenager and then a grown man. He did all of that so that we may become rich in Him, spiritually speaking. So as we go through these difficult times right now, keep your eyes fixed on God as revealed in the Bible. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over again to see who Jesus is and what He's like. If you're new to Christianity, start with the book of Mark. And just slowly read it and ask the Lord to open your eyes to understand it. Open your heart to understand it. And He will. So we pause there for a little bit, trying to address the the question that the disciples raised. Do you not care about us? Oh, Jesus cares about them and us so much more than we could ever imagine. Let's look at what happens next. See, for a moment, the disciples forgot who Jesus was. Or they didn't fully grasp the reality of who he really was yet. See, Jesus was Lord of all creation. Look at verse 39. Keep in mind, what he's about to do is while the wind is howling, while the water is rushing in, while the disciples are probably screaming and yelling and thinking they're about to die, all chaos is breaking out, and a sleepy Jesus who just woke up, this is all he has to do. Look at verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He looks at the wind, he looks at the waves, and he commands them to stop. And immediately, they stop. Oftentimes, storms slowly dissipate over time. Certainly, bodies of water that have white caps and waves crashing and breaking, they never just calm instantly. Only Jesus, King of the entire universe, could look at the wind and the waves and say, peace, be still, and silence. The disciples are watching this, and they're wondering, But before he allows them to talk, he says something to them. Verse 40. Why are you 
so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Well, Jesus will often ask those kind of questions in the Bible. And sometimes when I hear, when I first read those questions, I think, well, Jesus, I thought you knew everything. But the reason they're so afraid is because they thought they were going to die just a few minutes ago. And so, pretty understandable why they would be so afraid. But his point, I think the deeper question behind that that he was asking is, why are you so afraid? You're with me. I have you. You are with me. And if that is the reality, that though sickness may come in our bodies, though even death may come one day, if we are with Jesus, we have no ultimate reason to be afraid. So remember, I said at the beginning that Jesus is training the disciples. He's teaching them. He's preparing them for a life of ministry where they will go through all kinds of difficult hardships, some much worse than the storm that they were presently in. And what he wants them to know is that if they've trusted in Jesus, he is with them. He is watching over them. He will be with them through the end. One of the great promises of the Bible is that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now keep in mind, it may feel right now like Jesus has left us. It may feel to some that he has forsaken us. But Jesus is trustworthy. He is a promise-keeping God. And so what he says, and when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, we can trust him. We can rest in that. Now listen to the, to the disciples' response. Verse 41. So keep in mind, they were afraid for their lives before he calmed the sea, before he spoke to the wind. But now a new fear has come upon them. Look at verse 41. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they were afraid, understandably so, of the wind and the waves. But now they're thinking, who is this man in the boat with us? Who is this one that can speak to creation? And creation obeys instantly. In the book of Matthew, describing the same account, Matthew records it, the disciples, as saying it this way. Matthew 8, verse 27. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What sort of man is this, Jesus, that even the wind and the waves obey Obey him. Well, what sort of man is this? 
This is the sort of man that we can trust, that we can put our entire lives and our entire livelihood on, that we can trust at all costs, because this sort of man is fully God and fully human. He is unique. He is one of a kind. Jesus is the king of all. Jesus is the only one that can be trusted without fail. See, Jesus is so far greater, so far superior, so far different than every religious leader that's ever walked the face of the earth. See, Jesus was sent here by God the Father. He was sent here because God the Father loved us so much that he sent his Son to rescue us, to save us from eternal punishment. And Jesus was up for the mission. He accepted the call and he stepped into this world and lived perfectly and died to rescue us. And then God the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and our hearts to see the goodness of this good news that Jesus has revealed. So what we need to remember is that we can trust Jesus. We can entrust our kids to Him, entrust our future to Him, entrust all that is broken in this world to Him. We can entrust what is going to happen today and tomorrow and for weeks and months to come. We don't, we don't have to be succumbed by fear like those who don't know Jesus. See, you have Him. If you've called on Him, He is with you. He is watching over you. He will provide for you. He will protect you. Now, that doesn't mean we won't get sick. That doesn't mean we won't suffer in some way. But it does mean one day, no matter what, if you have trusted in Jesus, you will be with Him forever, worshiping Him in heaven And the Bible is crystal clear. On that day, there will be no more sin, no more suffering, no more disease, no more sorrow, no more relational strife. But while we wait for that day, we want to trust in Him. And we want to tell the world all about the Savior who is so trustworthy. So as we are looking for peace in anxious times, go to Him, the only one who can bring you peace, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to live and die for us. Jesus, thank You that You promise You will never leave or forsake us. And thank You that when You ascended to to heaven. You said, it is good for me to go so that the Comforter will come. Thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells in everyone who has called on Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray you would comfort all that are watching today. You would fill them with fresh faith and wonder at the gift of salvation. And Holy Spirit, would you please open eyes to see you for those who can't yet see you. Lord, we love you, and we ask all this in your name. Amen.
Have a great Sunday. If you're able to, tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Hope to see you there. Have a great day.